Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome to another edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the good folks from MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs, uh, a group that I have a lot of respect for, a group that I am a member of, and a group that I uh, support uh, their efforts. Uh, Sean McKeon is the education director for MUCC, and he joins us on this edition of the podcast. Sean, welcome back. How are you? Doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me. Now, Sean, as the education director, tell me a little bit about what it is that you do. Yeah, so I oversee all of the education programming here at MUCC, as well as our field and habitat programs. Um, so I supervise a staff of four-time employees, as well as one full-time AmeriCorps service member. Um, and I, my job is to communicate the different strategies to get people engaged and connected in the outdoors and help them build a connection to Michigan's natural resources. And we focus on all the different programs that we have here at MUCC. And there are a lot of programs, aren't there? Yeah, yep. So my wheelhouse includes our summer camp program, which is down in the Waterloo Recreation Area in Chelsea. I'm also the magazine editor for Tracks Magazine, which is a magazine geared towards fourth through sixth grade students and spread out all around the state. We do outreach and education at shows and festivals and outdoor days all over Michigan. And I do a lot of recruitment, retention, and reactivation activities around the state, um, trying to get new people hunting and fishing and get people back into the outdoors. So we have several programs in the education department that all fall under my purview. And I'll talk about these different programs in just a minute, but all too often when, at least in my mind, when I think of MUCC, I think of legislative activity, working with the DNR, NRC, the state legislature. Um, But the education, the outreach side of things is critical, vitally important these days. Yeah, so obviously most people know us for our policy. They hear us down in Lansing and see us at the Capitol and and that is the biggest role of what MECC was founded on and who we've been for the last 80-plus years. Um, and so my world is pretty much everything that MECC does that isn't down at the Capitol working <laughs> with the NRC and, and the legislature. So, so, yeah, we cover the whole state, and we have programs and activities that are going on year-round. Um, and, yeah, our bread and butter is really focusing on youth, um, but we do dabble in the adult world as well, getting people outside. I think about 80 years MUCC has been around. It was a different world, conservation, wildlife issues, hunting. The world in general was different back then. So it it, it brings an interesting set of parameters that you find yourself under now in that there are more non-hunters than there are hunters. There are more non-anglers than there are anglers. And 80 years ago, I'm not sure that was the case. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a fair point. I think the conservation community has evolved and changed a lot over the last 80 years. And like you said, the numbers themselves have, have drastically shifted. Um, and just kind of the way that we go about what natural resources means to the public is something that, that has changed from the 30s and 40s when it was very much we're losing these animals, we're losing this land, we need to do things to to protect our natural resources, and now we're in much more of a usage-type 
type mindset where we're, we have stable populations of whitetails in Michigan. We have stable populations of waterfowl. And so how do we manage those for, for future generations and how do we connect people and show the importance of our natural resources when they've grown up and they've always been there? Um, so how do you get people to care about Canada geese if there's 300,000 geese around the state? But in the 60s, there were almost no geese in our state or turkeys or elk. And so that's something that in the education world, we're trying to connect people to highlight the importance before we get back to areas where we're losing species and losing public lands. And and you're trying to make a connection oftentimes in a population that doesn't have the direct and immediate and day-to-day contact with wildlife and the natural resources that they did, again, decades ago. Yeah, so the engaging part of a lot of what we do is trying to draw those people into opportunities that that highlights them or or connects them because you you can talk about geese or elk or moose or UP animals, but if you're talking about that someone in Ann Arbor or the Metro Detroit area, it's a long way of a stretch to go from your backyard in Warren to think about a fisher population that might be in Escanaba and to care about that resource. And so a lot of the things we do, we bring hands-on activities. We do pelts with kids and adults, and we do wildlife education um, to try and give people something that they can tangibly connect with and think about beyond their backyard. But we also want to highlight what's in their region and what makes them special, get them connected to Saginaw Bay if they're in Bay City, or get them out on the Detroit River if if they're in Metro Detroit, so that way they have that local connection, but they also think about that statewide value. And and are some of these non-traditional or different demographics or geographic areas that have kind of been left out of the mix in the past? To me, at least, these groups are key to maintain our lifestyle in the future. We need to reach out. We need to start reaching out to those different types of groups. Yeah, that kind of falls into the the recruitment retention stuff that I do with with MUCC, and we sit on a statewide task force that I meet um, a couple times a month with with other groups like Turkey Federation, the DNR, Pheasants Forever, um, and so we we have learn to hunt programs and we have outdoor recreation one on one programs where we're getting people who have traditionally been left out. Women, for example, were traditionally not always invited up to deer camps, and and they're the the fastest growing demographic. Um, and if you can have a hunter take his wife out hunting, then you've doubled the number of people that are hunting by just saying, hey, maybe bring your wife or your girlfriend. Or if there's a female hunter, maybe bring your boyfriend or husband. And that's starting to, to build connections and, and helps families connect a little bit easier, um, as well as that urban population to get people connected better. This is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. If you would like to learn more about MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs, you can check out the website MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. On Facebook, they are MUCC1937 and on Instagram at MUCC1937. We're talking with Sean McKeon, who is the Education Director for MUCC. And Sean, that's a simple title with a big job. Yeah, they definitely keep me busy here at MECC. When I originally came on, I've been on staff for almost eight years. I came on just as the, the camp director, and I've been able to kind of grow and find funding for, for all the programs that MECC does now. Um, so it's been a great position to, to expand based off of the flagship summer camp program that the education department has, has always run for MECC. Let's talk more about that camp. Uh, remind me the details on that. It's, it's been a, a big part of what MUCC does for many years now. 
Yeah, so we've continuously run our summer camp program since 1946. Um, we've been all over the state in different decades. We started at Hamlin Lake, and then we moved to Houghton Lake. We had property up in Alpena and the Akiak area. Um, and we've been in the Waterloo Recreation Area down in Chelsea for the last about two decades. Um, and so, yeah, it's focused on getting kids outside and building technical skills. So our kids come to us for a week at a time, six days and five nights. They get dropped off and stay down at our summer camp, and they learn things like techniques that you need for hunting. They spend time tying their own flies and going fishing. We do kayaking. We do wilderness survival. They all get hunter safety certified if they don't already have it, so we run the State of Michigan Hunter Education course down there, um, and we're really trying to find the balance between giving the kids skills that they can use when camp is over and also kind of engaging them in the natural resources world that Michigan has to offer. Where do these kids come from? Are they from outdoor-oriented families, or are you using this as a way to reach out to kids who live right in the middle of the city? Yeah, so it's a mix of both. So MECC is made up of clubs, and our clubs are probably our biggest strength. About 50% of the campers who join us each summer are sponsored by their local club. So whether mom and dad or grandma and grandpa are club members, a lot of our clubs spend, send kids through a, like a scholarship or a sponsorship program. And those kids are traditionally kids who maybe are already hunting or they're, they're really passionate about the outdoors and they're coming to us to, to learn new skills. So you might have a 12-year-old a who's gone deer hunting a couple times on the apprentice license and he wants to learn how to hunt waterfowl or he wants to learn to do fur harvesting and become a trapper. And so we get a lot of kids like that, about 50-50 about from our, our clubs. But then we target a lot of general public. Um, so anyone can come to our camp. And so we, we work with kids from inner cities and schools like Detroit, Lansing, Flint, Saginaw. And some of those kids are having their, their first kind of meaningful outdoor experiences. Um, every year I'm always amazed. We have usually a handful of kids, four or five each summer, out of the 400 who, who are seeing stars for the first time. Oh, my Whether goodness. Whether that's they haven't looked up into the, into the sky to just slow down and see it, or they live somewhere with light pollution too strong and they can't really take in the night sky. Um, we can see the Milky Way at our property just outside Chelsea, and, and that's kind of a real eye-opening, easy connection for the kids to, to think about this is the night sky at their home too, um, and that's their first experience to really draw them in. How do we get these kids involved? I mean, what's, what's the sign-up process, and when is the period to do that? Are you doing that now, or is it too early? Yeah, so registration opens February, the first first day of February. Um, so we've just kind of finalized the brochure, and we have a, a website, which is MUCCCamp.org. And so all the different programs and, and registration pro process can be found at MUCCCamp.org. Um, and, yeah, it's a first-come, first-serve type uh, registration. So parents or club members can just join on the, the website and get all the information. And the camp director's name is Max Bass, and he can be reached. All his information is, is in the brochure and on the website. It must take a pretty good-sized staff to put that many kids through there in the summer. Yeah, yep. so our summer camp staff capacity is 24, including the director, Max. So he hires a team of 23 every year um, to, to supervise the programs and make sure that, that everything's running smoothly. So we are in the middle of recruiting season right now. So we spend several months each year going to job fairs at different universities and, and talking to college classes and recruiting 
um, primarily 18 to 24-year-olds who are either interested in natural resources and passing their passion on or want to learn more about working with kids um, to, to become future teachers or counselors. Um, so, yeah, we hire lifeguards, range officers, a camp nurse, maintenance staff, a kitchen crew, and then 12 counselors each year to, uh, to teach the programming and to help make sure the kids are having the best kind of outdoor experience that we can provide. And for more info on the camp, muccamp.org. What about Tracks? You mentioned the Tracks magazine. Tell me more about that, Sean. Yeah, so Tracks Magazine is our youth magazine. So a lot of people know MUCC and our members get the Michigan Outdoors magazine that you can find on newsstands and and get delivered to your house. Um, That's a quarterly publication. Um, And so we have a youth publication called Tracks. It's uh, eight issues a year. It's based on the school year calendar. So it runs October through May. And it's written, writing, reading level and, and kind of content based for fourth through sixth grade. So kind of upper elementary, younger, middle school students. Um, It focuses on Great Lakes animals, primarily Michigan species, um, and it highlights a different animal each month. So we will do a mammal issue, a bird issue, a fish, and then just kind of go through the kingdoms um, each month with a different Michigan species to teach the kids about kind of what they might find in their backyard. So how is this distributed? Through the public schools? Yeah, so there's two ways that you can become a track subscriber. So you can sign up as just an individual tracks, and for $20 for the year, we'll mail it right to your mailbox or to your grandkids or to your son or daughter's house. And then the other, the big, the bulk of what tracks does is our clubs, once again, sponsor classrooms and their local school districts. So um, Chelsea Rod and Gun Club sponsors the fourth graders and fifth graders in Chelsea Elementary Schools. And then we work with the teachers to get a class list, and we send each student in that classroom gets their own track subscription. Um, and so we're in 400 cities in Michigan, wow. and our subscription rate is about 13,000 this year. That's very impressive, very impressive. And, you know, whenever I talk with folks from MUCC, it always comes back to the clubs. I mean, the clubs are the heartbeat and the, and the soul of what you guys are all about. Yeah, yep. I mean, that's the originally we were founded by 30 clubs to, to kind of come together and, and bring that voice here to Lansing. And the, we represent about 200, 215 clubs in Michigan now. And a lot of the programs that we do are, are things that their members believe in and want to help pass on. And they're, they're definitely the lifeblood of, of who we are. Um, obviously, like all organizations, individual membership is important as well. But the, the club core is definitely what drives a lot of our programs, whether it's sending kids to camp or sponsoring Tracks magazines. Um, they're definitely who we, we represent and, and the voice that we carry here in Lansing. Uh, obviously, the camp is for kids. The tracks is for kids. Let's come back around and talk about something you brought up earlier, the R3 concept. What, is, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so I sit on a statewide R3 task force, and R3 is recruitment, retention, and reactivation. It's kind of a national push across the country that nonprofit organizations, conservation groups, federal agencies, and states are working on to try and slowly kind of stem the tide of the loss and hunting and angling that, that's going on nationwide. Um, and so the idea behind R3 is recruiting new users, whether they're new hunters or anglers or trappers, reactivating people who might not um, 
be doing it anymore for whatever reason and then kind of retaining that current status quo body um, so that we slow the the loss of license dollars um, because funding is paid for conservation funding comes from license sales primarily um, and so in Michigan we have a pretty a pretty strong small core of of our three groups that are trying to slowly turn the tide um, and as I mentioned before that that core that meets monthly is MUCC, the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, National Wild Turkey Federation, and Pheasants Forever are the most active members. Um, there's a couple people from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and the Fish and Wildlife Service that also sit in on this kind of committee. And we come up with ideas and ways to implement programs that try to get new people connected to the outdoors, especially on the hunting side is what we focus on right now. Um, fisheries in Michigan is starting to get the ball rolling. They have a, a plan that they're developing right now, but the hunting community is definitely at the forefront in our state on our three programs. Well, it, it's a big job because as the boomers, baby boomers, age out or pass away or whatever, it leaves this huge void. And as you say, the the conservation funding model is based on people buying licenses, and when fewer people are there to buy licenses, it's it's obvious the problems that can cause. Yeah, yep, and and at the scale that we're currently operating, no one has dreams of turning the ship around in two years or anything like that. I mean, right now with just this small kind of partnership doing, we do about 12 to 16 different events a year um, between MECC, Pheasants Forever, and National Wild Turkey Federation. And these are primarily learn to hunt events that are geared at adult participants. So there's a lot of youth activities that go on around the state. A lot of our clubs put on youth days. MECC obviously has our camp, and we do some youth hunt events. Um, and youth are great and important for recruitment, but they also have a big barrier that kids can't decide what they want to do whenever they want to do it. They're tied to their parents or their guardians. And so if, if we have a kid that fishes at camp and he doesn't have the tools to keep fishing when he goes home, he kind of stops fishing because maybe mom and dad aren't, aren't yeah, that into yeah, it. Yeah. But if we have adult users that can take their kids with them or they're comfortable going to the lake while their kid fishes, then you're getting a family out and, and doing that activity together. And you have a little bit more, a little deeper reach to, to get those kids involved as well as their parents. And then just adults in general are the decision makers for themselves. So if you're a 24-year-old a who's looking for a new hobby and you become interested in hunting, you can decide what licenses you buy, where you go, what your investment is. So there's a little bit more flexibility in that 18 and up demographic, which we've been focusing on for the last few years. Of the three R's, recruitment, retention, and reactivation, i got to believe retention is actually the easiest, right? If you've got somebody who's doing it, if they're in the lifestyle, probably fairly easy to keep them in the lifestyle? Yeah, so retention is, is kind of that you're the, the smallest gaps to close, and, and there's a lot of people that are currently doing it that are already very active in the world, so they're familiar. The, the digest isn't something new to them. The equipment might be... They might be switching from, I'm, I'm a deer hunter and I want to learn how to hunt turkeys, so they're already going to have some camo. And, and so some of the gaps to close on the retention side are definitely not as big as, as a reactivation or a recruitment side. Um, but there's a lot of people, especially depending on how regulations change in our state, that just say, you know what, 
I don't want to do this anymore because of X, Y, or Z. And so those are things that we listen to and we make recommendations on some things to say, hey, if you do this decision, you might lose a lot of people. And so their voice is very important as well. It's not a voice that we, uh, we don't listen to for sure. The reactivation side of this triangle I find very interesting. What, what do you hear, Sean? What, what are the reasons why people get out of hunting and fishing and shooting and trapping? Why do they leave it? Yeah, so some of the, 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 the big barriers, the, the first one you kind of mentioned earlier is, is age. So about 65, typically, statistically, people start slowing down. They don't hunt as much as they used to, or they don't fish as much as they used to, or they kind of only focus, if they used to do several different species, they might only focus on one. Um, so that, that boomer edge is, is definitely one of the reasons why people lose. Um, in Michigan, the last couple years, there's been a lot of frustration over regulation changes. Um, people think the guidebooks are getting too thick, so they just don't want to deal with it. Um, and then the two big historic barriers are always uh, access. People don't feel like they have good quality places to go hunt, so they don't want to try anymore to hunt. And then time, which is not really something that our programs can help people get less other activities in their lives to do. Um, so, so access and time are always the ones that are on every survey, um, and then aging is, is becoming more prevalent as the, the boomer cycle continues to, to move forward. Well, it's all uh, uh, very interesting, and I appreciate what you're doing, what your staff is doing, uh, to try to keep this lifestyle, this way of life uh, continuing. And as you said early on, you know, education and outreach are a key part of this. Yeah, yep. And so that kind of falls into the what this task force works on. And so we provide programs to, to take people from never touched a firearm or bow before all the way to hopefully harvesting their first animal. Um, so we do, National Wild Turkey Federation does learn to hunt turkey events in the spring and fall. And they do learn to wing shoot events in the summertime when there's no seasons available. PF does learn to hunt pheasant, learn to wing shoot, and learn to small game. And MECC supports those organizations with equipment and some of my time. And then as a, a bigger group, we've also hosted some learn to hunt deer events throughout the state. Um, and then we were a big part in the Michigan Pheasant Hunting Initiative, had two big learn to hunt programs this year as a pilot program. Um, and we were part of a 60-person hunt in Allegan and a 40-person hunt in Shiawassee that just finished up a couple weeks ago. And so that was taking people from never touched a firearm to harvesting an animal and leaving with recipes to cook and having a demonstration of the whole type of circle of what the hunting life is about. Building community, finding food, spending time in the outdoors, um, and then contributing to the resources as well. Sounds like you're staying busy, Sean. Yeah, they definitely keep me moving. <laughs> well, keep up the good work. I'll send people to the website, mucc.org, also mucccamp.org. Sean, it's always a pleasure, and I hope to talk with you again soon. Thank you a lot, Mike. We appreciate it. All right, Sean McKeon, the uh, Education Director for MUCC on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. One last time, if you want to learn more, check out the website, mucc.org. On Facebook and Instagram, MUCC1937. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast.